Hi, this is Elliot Fishman, and welcome to our latest vodcast. And this is going to be a bit different than the one I usually do, which are typically lectures. I'm going to have you participate in this. So I'm going to ask some questions. And this was from, uh, I did this presentation the last few years at RSNA. It's from NASCII. And I'm going to do it this year at RSNA 2014 again. I will change the cases. But what I'm going to do is I have a number of cases, and you'll have uh, questions that follow each case. And I've tried not to make these cases too esoteric. Sometimes I'll give you some points about things you shouldn't have thought about, or you should think about, rather. And I'll give you some references, and we'll have some discussion. But I want you to participate, so I'll give you a chance at home to raise your hand. I'll be watching carefully. I guess one thing I should probably do is there are so much software now that allows you to respond that perhaps we should give some of these vodcasts live, but that's a question for another day. Okay, I'm giving you a case of a 55-year-old with a history of atypical chest pain, had a calcium scoring done prior to the cardiac CTA, and here are two of the images. And you can see that there's calcification shown in the LAD, and the Agassiz score was 137. So now I'm going to ask you a question. Here's the question. By current guidelines, you're required to do a calcium score before performing a CTA. Now, I will tell you that there really are no guidelines. More and more people are speaking of perhaps not doing a calcium score surely in younger patients because as we reduce the dose for the CTA, the calcium score becomes a greater proportion of the actual total dose, and perhaps you can eliminate that. So there's lots of interest in thinking about that, and for younger patients under 30, we surely don't do a calcium score, but by current guidelines, you're not required to do it, though when I ask by a show of hands how many people do a calcium score routinely, I would say it's about 60-40, 60% do it. Couple references, this article by Torres, radiation dose from a calcium score in coronary CTA vary widely. Newer scanner technologies and the use of radiation dose reduction strategies helps reduce the dose from both studies. If calcium scoring is to be acquired, much attention should be put to minimize the dose and to plan the scanning range of the coronary CTA on the basis of the coronary calcium scoring images. And he goes on to say the acquisition of a coronary calcium score in every symptomatic patient referred for coronary CT angiography requires a case-by-case -case approach. And that's a very good way of thinking about things. So let me ask you a second question. Based on the past image, which showed an Agassiz score of 137, what's the likelihood of the patient having a significant stenosis of the LAD when I do the coronary CTA? And you can see I've given you four choices. And the important thing to think about in this case, can the Agassiz score tell you the percent stenosis or suggest it? Well, it's important to remember the Agassiz score is done for risk-related projections. And we've all seen cases with a zero calcium score with a significant stenosis. And we've all seen cases with a very high score and there's no stenosis. So really the answer in this case would be impossible to determine. That 137 could have a stenosis over 50% and it can have a stenosis between 25 and 49 and even under 25 or it can even be zero. But it's impossible to determine. Couple reference to this point, prevalence of coronary artery disease in non-calcified segments is lower than in segments with mild, moderate, severe calcification. So that's the importance, the more calcification you have. The likelihood, theoretically, is the greater chance of stenosis. This article by Nasir estimated that in the next 15 years, 25 million people will die of stroke or heart disease with 80% of the burden occurring in developing countries. 
In approximately half of the individuals, the initial presentation of coronary artery disease is either infarction or sudden death. They make the point that conventional risk factors can be used to predict 65 to 80% of future events, leaving many middle-aged or older individuals to experience a major event despite being classified as low risk by traditional approaches. And that's the point. Calcium scoring is an independent predictor of coronary artery disease events and improves the ability to predict risk in vulnerable groups, adding information beyond the current risk assessments. They go on to say emerging data suggests there are individuals considered to be in the classic low-risk groups who benefit from calcium scoring, especially those with a family history of coronary artery disease, that's typically premature, and women under 60 years of age. So very, very important. And they also say zero calcium score stands as perhaps the most powerful negative risk factor for development of an event. So a very good article worth reading. It was a big summary article in radiology a couple years back. But let me go with that zero score for a second because I think it's very important for you to understand what a zero score means and what it doesn't mean. Question, a zero score in a 55-year-old means normal coronary arteries? No, it means it's a zero calcium score. The likelihood of stenosis is lower or low, but you still could have stenosis. And it doesn't mean you have normal coronary arteries. It means we don't see calcified plaque of an attenuation of 130 Hounsfield units of greater. Lau made the point a number of years back that the absence of detectable calcium does not exclude coronary disease. This article by Kelly looked carefully at that. 729 patients uh, were evaluated. 325 had a normal score. Of these, 167 had non-calcified plaque and coronary CTA. That's half. 12 of those patients with a normal score had at least moderate stenosis, and 5 had severe stenosis. 8 of the 12 patients with significant stenosis underwent angiography and, stent and stenting. So he does make the point that you can have a considerable burden of disease even without calcification. Okay, very, very important. And I can take this a step further with this next question. Is there a difference in calcium score significance between different population groups like African Americans and white patients? And in fact, the answer is yes. Very, very important, particularly in a place like Hopkins where you're in inner city where there's a lot more African Americans and you're scanning those patients with chest pain or you're screening them and you're getting zero scores. Calcium scoring may yield an underestimated total plaque burden in African Americans. Nance goes on to say that the study suggests that the atherosclerotic plaque burden and composition, as measured by CTA, differs between African Americans and white patients, with more non-calcified disease in African Americans and more calcified plaque in white individuals. Very, very important, particularly looking at your population and looking at the individual patient. Article by Centauri, premature coronary artery disease is a common cause of death among firefighters with an age of 44 years of age. Cardiac CT could be helpful in this regard. In that article, calcium score was found only in men greater than 34 years of age. Out of these, 53% had a positive score, 87% of which was higher than the average Agassiz score compared to the national database. Agassiz scoring above the 75th percentile was found in 57% of firefighters. Okay, no correlation was observed between traditional risk factors and those with or without coronary calcium. 
So look what was saying. Firefighters have a high burden of calcified disease greater than anticipated on the basis of age and coronary risk factors. So again, showing you how important calcium scoring is. Okay, very important. Now, another thing, let me ask you another question. We all do a lot of chest CTs for many reasons. On a routine chest CT, acquired for indications ranging from pneumonia to cough to staging malignancies, should one routinely review the coronary arteries for look at calcified plaques? Now, you can see the possible answers, and the possible problem would be, of course, these aren't gated acquisitions, there's a fast heart rate, there's lots of artifact. But the answer is you should. Now, potentially, you can miss small calcified plaques or potentially overcall if there's lots of motion. But typically, it can be a very significant finding. This article by Williams, although non-contrast CT can indicate the presence and location of calcified plaque, these features are rarely reported even when involving the left main or LAD. Evaluation of calcium score or calcium plaque should become a routine part of interpretation of routine non-cardiac CT scans. In his series, calcium was present in 58% of the patients, but were recorded in only 44%. Very, very important. LAD was evident in 188 patients, but reported in only 3%. That is absolutely terrible. And his conclusion this study shows that underreporting of cardiac calcifications on non-coronary CT scans is frequent because the finding of valvular and vascular calcifications can have a cl clinical impact on patients, result in a change in treatment and patient behavior. Routine reporting should be done, and we 100% agree. Okay? Let's go back to another case. Now we have a patient with a typical chest pain and a very high calcium score, 1186. And here's the images. The question is, should you still do the coronary CTA? There was lots of discussion with high scores. You're going to have a more difficult time evaluating the patient. Will it be a good study? Will it be an indeterminate study? If you're going to have an indeterminate study and you need to go to cath, what's the purpose of doing the cardiac CT? So when I ask this question, there's different answers what people will do or not do. And most people will still be doing this study, understanding that it's much harder when you have plaque, but it still can be done. And then the question is, everyone also typically says that when they have extensive plaque, they won't do it. But I asked the question of what's extensive plaque, and is it a specific score? And people do say yes, that it's a score of 1,000 or better. But again, the score of 1,000 is not as critical as the distribution. So again, it becomes very, very important. And also, as your experience, Hecht makes the point that there's no absolute cutoff, but the higher the score, the more difficult and the more time-consuming it is. A score of 1,000 or greater, or a pattern of isolated large dense calcifications with a score of under 1,000 should alert personnel to the interpretation problems. And you want to make certain someone's experienced in dealing with calcification. That's very, very important. Some people suggest that calcium scoring can be used as a gatekeeper for coronary CTA, that when scores are above a certain level, you should not approve the uh, CTA. Again, there's no specific number, something spoken about a lot. Going back to this patient, you can see the calcification LAD. We did this CTA, but look at the stenosis in the patient's LAD. 
is a critical stenosis better than 70% in the mid-LED. And we did this despite some of the issues with the calcium scoring being a high number and the plaque is dense. And there's some areas that are difficult, but look, the critical area, the area that changed the patient's life was well seen. And as you play with the images, as you do reconstructions, it's much easier to get around denser calcifications. And our experience is, as scanners get better, as the post-processing gets better, we can do better. Perhaps dual energy is going to help. Uh, we shall see. But it's a challenge, but we are doing it. What's the impact of coronary artery calcification? The quality of the cardiac CTA? You don't need to read an article to know. Here's a simple plaque, 157, that's a moderate score, but the plaque's eccentric, no problem. You get an image like this, I don't care what the score is, obviously you know it's a high score, but look how extensive the calcification is. It's gonna be hard to be accurate in this study. And this was a score of 2,600. This patient had a score of 3677. That's pushing the barrel, pushing the numbers. But when you do the CTA, you nicely were able to show that the patient has LED occlusion. And yes, there's portions of the vessel I could not be comfortably imaging, but there's other parts like this LED, which is the cause of the patient's symptoms, indeed very nicely shown on these images. So again, very, very important. And here again, the use of software for vessel tracking, showing you the near occlusion of the LED. So again, a very high score. Off the top of your head, you would say, don't do it, it's 3,600. But here it was again, we were able to detect the cause of the patient's processes, and you can see very, very nicely. Article by Vivari, clinical utility of multi-detector CTA to detect a patient uh, with obstructive coronary disease has been shown. However, the presence of substantial coronary artery calcification will limit the quality. Again, this article makes the point that segment-based coronary artery calcification significantly decreased agreement between MDCT and angiography. So again, it's very important. I mentioned things are changing, iterative reconstruction, we can bring down the noise. That indeed can be very helpful. But there will be more work to being done, whether it's iterative reconstruction, whether it's dual energy. I think we do have some important facts. Let me ask you another question about calcium scoring. And can we, this be used for triaging patients with chest pain? Actually, several articles a few years ago said yes. Patient comes to the ER, you get a calcium score at zero, you discharge them. Well, the answer is sometimes it's right, sometimes it's wrong. Remember, we already told you that sometimes patients have a low score. Um, on the calcium scoring or zero score, and yet they have significant stenosis. So the answer is no, it can't. And there's examples. Patient has an Agassiz score of zero, but look at the patient's right coronary artery. Look at that stenosis. You can see it right here. About a 50% stenosis, yet the Agassiz score is zero. Or this case, another Agassiz score of zero. Look at this high-grade critical LAD stenosis, okay? Score was zero, there was no plaque here. But look at these images, look how extensive that stenosis is. That's just indeed very practical and very important to remember. Do not fall prey to saying, oh, it's a low score, I can stop, or I can cursory look at the images. You need to look at, look at it very carefully. Another example, zero calcium score, Look at the patient's RCA. It's occluded for several centimeters. The vessels look good. There's some plaque proximal. But again, it's occluded. And yet your Agassiz score was zero. What a catastrophe. Look at those images. 
Look at the extent of disease. So another article by Vils, um, we feel that widespread use of calcium scoring in symptomatic patients is severely limited because of test imprecision and need for additional testing in most patients. I think it does make the point that CTA and calcium scoring are two different animals. Calcium scoring is more of the risk stratification. It's like a lab test, cholesterol. It helps the clinician decide how to manage patients, put patients in different risk groups. When you want to look at the coronary arteries, looking at the calcium score is not going to help. Yes, I know a higher score is a better chance of having a stenosis, but that's not good enough. You need to do the coronary CTA. And that indeed is a very, very important message this article gives and a number of articles give as well. So why don't we stop there and hopefully we've discussed a couple features about calcium scoring, what its value is, some of the thought process that go into CTA, and let's pick it up with a few more cases in a couple of minutes. Thanks a lot. Thanks a lot.